The following is a Westminster Seminary, California morning devotion given by Dr. Dennis Johnson. For more information about this message or about Westminster Seminary, California, visit us online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. Online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. Let's pray together. Father... We praise you for raising your son. We have been singing his praises. He has risen. He has conquered, conquered our sin on the cross, conquered death and his mighty resurrection. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the word of the eyewitnesses uh, through whom your Holy Spirit has given us sure and solid confirmation of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And your spirit drives, drives that word home to our hearts as we hear his voice as your word is read, as your word is proclaimed to us. Give us those ears, give us that open, ready heart this this morning as we hear your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. In our series of meditations on the I Am statements of Jesus in John's Gospel, we come to John 11. Today, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. I want to read a portion of this account of the resurrection of Lazarus, the, maybe I should say, the return to life of Lazarus, uh, Jesus exerting his power over death to return Lazarus to life as a preview of his own and of our ultimate resurrections into a new order of existence where death is no more. So we're going to hear from verses 17 through 44. It's a long text, but it could have been longer. So listen to God's word. This is after Jesus has received the news of Lazarus' illness, and then the Father had revealed to Jesus, after some delay uh, of Jesus coming, that uh, Lazarus had died, and then Jesus and his disciples set out for Bethany near Jerusalem, where the family, Martha and Mary, and her brother Lazarus uh, had had lived. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been dead in the to- had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. When she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. 
when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he's been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, and I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. This is God's word. In his two-volume commentary in the Anchor Bible series, Raymond Brown, the Roman Catholic scholar, suggests that the structure of John's gospel after the prologue that begins 1, 1 through 18 and before the epilogue in chapter 21 is basically twofold. There's the book of signs, as he calls it, and then the book of glory. And the book of signs runs from the middle of chapter 1 through chapter 12. Uh, and when you count up the number of times that the word sign, Greek semeion, appears in John's gospel, you see the point that he's making, especially about that first half, 16 times, sign in chapters 1 through 12. Chapters 13 through 21, actually, once. Book of Signs. And some who count, notice that there are seven miracles. Some of them are called explicitly signs. The first two are even numbered, changing water to wine, and then the raising of a young boy at death's door, much like Lazarus, but before he died by Jesus, the healing of him, an official son. Some count seven. Others say, well, not all of them are numbered by John. But in any case, seven's an important number, as we've seen in this series on Jesus' I Am sayings, where he's identifying himself as the bread of life and the light of the world and so on. If you count seven, the return to life of Lazarus is number seven, the climactic sign in the book of signs. And it's the sign, as you could read, if we go on into chapter 11 and into 12, that hardens up the hostility of the leadership within Judaism, the high priest Caiaphas and his, his cronies, to want to eliminate Jesus as the high priest speaks well beyond what he understands. It's expedient for one man to die for the sake of the people. He had no clue about what he was saying, really. Um, so it's a climactic event. It's a climactic event. Now, it's an event that deserves far more than the 10 minutes we have left. Or give me 15. You'll give me 15, won't you? Um, I want to focus on the conversation of Jesus with Martha. I want to focus actually on Martha's three confessions of faith here, uh, because each is a confession of faith, and then Jesus' responses, and then 
we do have a couple things we need to look at in the rest of the chapter. So first confession of faith. Jesus arrives late in some people's perception. And Martha's first words are, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Actually, she says more than that. She says, even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Now that sounds like a complaint. And readers of Luke's gospel are programmed to expect a complaint from Martha's mouth, right? Because we remember Luke 10, we remember in her harried frenzy to prepare dinner for a dozen or more unexpected guests while her sister is sitting with the disciples at Jesus' feet, we remember that outburst. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve all alone? Tell her to come help me. Now there may be a tone of disappointment in Martha's, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But remember that Mary, who sat at Jesus' feet, said exactly the same thing. You heard it, right? My brother, exactly the same words. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. So maybe some disappointment, but underneath the disappointment, incredible faith. If you'd been here, you would have made all the difference between death and life, between Lazarus succumbing to whatever his illness was and Lazarus getting up and serving you again. Lord, you have that kind of power. I mentioned the second sign numbered by John is the raising up from a sick bed that could well have been a deathbed. John says the boy, the official son, was at death's door. They've seen Jesus do this. And even the onlookers, the folks who've come out from Jerusalem to share in the public mourning, this must have been a prominent family, even they, some of them say, you know, he could, he could restore sight to the blind. Remember? They wouldn't say remember chapter 9, of course, because we look at it as chapter 9. But remember, he restored the sight to the blind man, a man born blind. Surely he could have kept Lazarus from expiring, from, from dying. Faith. Faith. But it sure felt like Jesus came late. It sure felt as if he wasn't there when they needed him. Maybe you've been in a place like Martha and Mary at a sick bed and then at the deathbed of someone you've loved, a brother or a sister, father or mother. My dad passed away just slightly over two years ago. My mother-in-law last uh, spring, grandfather, grandmother, husband or wife, worse yet, maybe you've been at the deathbed of a son or a daughter. And you've thought, Lord, if you'd been here, my loved one would not have died. At that moment, we need to notice the comment that John makes, the logic that John makes before our text, verses five and six. I didn't read them, but it's amazing. Jesus gets the news about a Lazarus illness and Jesus says, this illness is not going to end in death. And then John records, Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus, so he stayed two more days in the place where he was. He loved them, 
so he delayed. And we need to hear what Jesus also said to his disciples just before our text, 11.15, where he said, Lazarus, I just think, he's not just sleeping, he's dead. And for your sakes, I'm really glad I wasn't there, so that you will believe. If Jesus sometimes waits to come to our rescue, to our relief, or, or he seems to be late, it's because he loves us. It's because he intends to deepen our faith. It's because he has something so much better in store for us that it's beyond our wildest imaginations. Martha knew that God was always listening to the voice of Jesus, ready to grant his every request. She said that. It seems doubtful that she really expected that Jesus would raise Lazarus from the dead. After all, when Jesus says, take the stone away, open the, open the cave, she says, it's not going to smell good. It's not going to smell good. So she's not as strong a believer as, uh, as she ought to be. But she believes. Jesus' presence would have made all the difference. And Jesus promises, Martha, your brother will rise again. Death will not have the last word over your brother, whom you love and whom I love. Jesus' promise brings us then to Martha's second confession of faith. I know, verse 24 and following, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Martha's a good student of scripture, a good theologian, way better than the chief priests headed by Caiaphas, who controlled the temple establishment. They, we're told in the Gospels, belonged largely to the party of the Sadducees, the party that dismissed and even ridiculed the promise of future bodily resurrection. They would present, in some weeks maybe, would present Jesus a test case to show how silly, how ridiculous it is to believe that people could rise bodily from the dead. Remember Lever at Law, Jesus? The brother-in-law needs to marry his deceased brother's widow to raise up his name. Now there was this, this case that we're dealing with where a woman was married to seven brothers in succession, one dying before the next and one after the next. Now in the resurrection, whose wife is she going to be? You see how silly resurrection is. And Jesus says to them, you Torah teachers don't know Torah very well, do you? You don't know your Bible very well, do you? You never read about Moses at the burning bush? Hundreds of years before this, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the great patriarchs had been placed in the ground in a tomb in the cave of Machpelah. And God identifies himself to Moses, I am... I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. I am, not I was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob until death overcame them and erased them from existence. Not I was, I am. Not I was the protector of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob until death proved too strong for me and I couldn't, I couldn't rescue them from that. No, I am. I am. I am is kind of significant in Exodus 3 and 4, yes? I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You Torah scholars don't know your Bibles very well, but Martha does. She and the Pharisees, actually, and Jesus all know that Scripture teaches 
a bodily resurrection from the dead. She knows that's going to happen. And that's a comforting doctrine. That's a comforting truth. It's a truth to hang our hopes on for the future. But what she doesn't see is that that future resurrection is actually guaranteed by the resurrection who, who is much more personal and present than she ever dreamed. And so Jesus replies to her solid, orthodox confession of the expectation of future resurrection at the end of time, at the last day, by saying, I am. This is our statement. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though they die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. I am the resurrection and the life. Now that's worth exploring for more time than we have for sure. But notice the order of the verbs. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes, though they die, will live. So he starts by talking about what Martha's anticipating. She's believed. Lazarus has believed. They will face physical death, and he promises physical resurrection. But then he changes up the order of the verbs. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. So first he acknowledges the reality of physical death and then assures us that there will be a reversal, physical resurrection. But then he does something different. Then he's, he does what he actually was preparing us for in John, three, in John 5, where he says, Now an hour is coming and is now when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those will hear, who hear will live. The Son of God will give people life as I'm preaching the gospel. And people who come to life believe. And people who believe live forever. Though there will be a physical death, they live forever. In fact, Jesus went on in John 5 to say, now I'm also talking about the future resurrection. The hour is coming, it's not yet, when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to resurrection of life, those who have done evil to a resurrection of judgment. And you see here, Jesus is tying those two resurrections together. He's, in effect, he's saying to Martha, yes, there is the future resurrection that will undo the death that Lazarus has suffered, that's in the end, in the last day as you believe. But actually, Martha, when you think about it, you already have experienced a kind of resurrection. You live, and so you believe. And so death ultimately has no power over you. You believe that my presence could have saved Lazarus from death, that my father listens to my every request, you were dead at one point, but now my voice has brought you to life, so you believe whoever lives and believes will never die. So he asked Martha, do you believe? Do you believe this? Do you believe that I am the resurrection of the life personally, presently? And Martha voices her third amazing confession. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Some scholars suggest that this is John's equivalent to Peter's amazing confession in Caesarea Philippi when Jesus asked them first to poll public opinion. Some say Elijah, some say 
one of the other prophets, some say John the Baptist, back from the dead. But then he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, that's right. And you didn't get this from any human being, including yourself. The Father showed that to you. Now in John, we hear Peter saying, a good confession, chapter 6. Jesus says, you guys all want to leave too? And, John, and Peter says, to whom should we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. That's, that's Peter's confession in John's Gospel. But I put Martha's right up there with Peter's, right? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, Martha doesn't fully grasp what she said, not yet. That's why when Jesus begins to give the preparation to bring Lazarus back to life, she objects. Um, but that's encouraging for us, too, uh, because that shows Martha and Peter uh, and you and I are a lot alike. We believe, but Jesus is still working on us to drive that conviction of who he is down deep into our hearts. Now, those three confessions are more than enough for devotions. I've spoken, taken my time, but I can't leave it with, without two more things. I can't leave us without two more things. Jesus heads, meets Mary, sees her grief, sees the grief of everybody and heads for the tomb. And twice, John says, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. That's ESV rendering for deeply moved. ESV, almost any English version, wrestles with how to render this term in almost every one of them I've found has failed. This past Sunday in our church, as we were, as we do every week, observing the resurrection of Christ, but with some special remembrance, at least along with the church in the West on that particular Lord's Day, um, our, our congregation's choir sang the Hallelujah Chorus, and I was deeply moved with praise and wonder at the glory of Jesus, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's not what Jesus experienced here. The closest thing I think I've ever felt to what Jesus experienced here was 18 years ago. I was preaching for a week uh, in a church in Mississippi, and I got a call from my wife reporting on our daughter's sonogram, carrying our first grandchild, a grandson. <laughs> the sonogram showed, as far as I could tell, that he had a condition that would take his life either in the womb or within hours after birth. And I was deeply moved. I was angry. I was confused. The pastor who shepherded that flock shepherded my heart that week. My pain, thinking of what my daughter and son-in-law would go through and did go through as they carried, despite counsel from medical people, they went through that whole process of the pregnancy, and Jonathan was born and lived eight hours after he entered this world, uh, before the Lord took him. Jesus was angry. Jesus, well, Don Carson says, Jesus was outraged at death, at what death had caused in the human race. He was angry. And Jesus wept. You know, the chapters and verses that we read were not in the text that John wrote. They got inserted at the time of the Reformation by Robert Etienne Stephanus. Boy, he had it right. 
to just hold out those two, three words in Greek because there's an article with the proper name, those few words just as a separate sentence, its own verse, Jesus wept. You have a Savior who weeps with you. You have a Savior who can be touched with the feeling of our weaknesses. As we wait for his final shout of victory, we know we have a Savior who has borne our griefs. So I had to say that. And then the the last thing is, he raised Lazarus, right? The second thing, uh, his command, Lazarus, come out. We heard that Jesus is the good shepherd who calls his sheep by name. He calls his sheep by name. Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus, who had been dead, hears and lives and obeys and comes out and is loosed. Jesus calls us by name. Is this a hint, maybe, that when he returns and he calls us from the grave, he'll call us by name? I don't know how that could happen, but will he say, Henry, come out. Colin, come out. Aaron, come out. Charles, come out. I don't know. But he knows us by name, and he calls Lazarus by name, and he comes out. And Lazarus returned to life, and Lazarus did return to life in this incursed world, and we presume eventually died another death. That return to life is a preview of our resurrection, but even first, it's a preview of Jesus' resurrection. It's a sign. It's a pointer. It's the last pointer in the book of signs at the beginning of John's gospel, but it points to the great sign. I mentioned that sign appears once more in the last half of the gospel. It appears after we have glimpsed through the eyewitnesses' eyes the risen Lord, through the eyes of Mary Magdalene, and the eyes of the ten, Thomas wasn't there, and then the eyes of the eleven, Thomas was there. And not only did Thomas get to use his eyes, Jesus said, you need to touch need to touch the wounds in my side and my hands. Believe. And the resounding last confession from Thomas, my Lord and my God. And then John sums up. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. It's exactly Martha's confession and that by believing you may have life in his names. Other signs. You see? The great sign. Maybe we could tweak Brown's title for part two. Not just the book of signs, but the book of the great sign. Not, not just the book of glory, but the book of the great sign, the resurrection, that we might believe. The other signs pointed away from themselves toward Jesus. This one is really Jesus himself alive from the dead. And because his voice has already given us life, so we believe. Because we have a Savior who is irate over death and who wept with those who mourn, and a Savior who conquered death by his own death and resurrection, we can wait and wait in hope. Please pray with me. Lord, you are the resurrection and the life. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. Copyright 2018, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved.
You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.